Good morning, everybody. Welcome. We're so glad you're, you're here as we're in the middle of a series. And uh, as Joel and Allie just shared, uh, we, we do have a lot of things coming up. And I just want to encourage you, um, if you haven't yet downloaded the Church Center app, that's a really helpful way for you to stay connected, to sign up. And uh, if you're on social media, I also encourage you to follow us on social media. We have an Instagram page, Facebook. Uh, that way you can just see uh, what we have coming up and ways to connect and learn you know, more about our church as well. Uh, yesterday, I just wanted to thank uh, just our RSM students. Uh, many of them are on the, the front row. They hosted a Kids Own Carnival. Let's give them a hand. Uh, to serve, really, the, the families of our church. And I know that uh, they worked really hard. Garrett and Jenny Denbaugh lead the, the RSM ministry. And uh, you guys did a great job. And so we appreciate how you uh, stepped up, took the time to serve our church. And so thank you for that. And then uh, yesterday, we also had a crew that were at the, the, dog, bar, the dog park, where dogs bark, okay? There, that's, where, that's what I was thinking. And uh, they were letting people know about our, the, the city had like a, an event, and uh, I don't know, Natalie head up, held, head up that team, and so thank you, Natalie. And uh, what we're trying to do as a church is really uh, do these events, not just to fill a calendar, uh, but to really provide opportunities. Uh, events translate into experiences. And when you have an experience, God tends to work. Uh, even if it's serving, extending yourself, giving up uh, you know, some of your resources, like that, that actually uh, helps you grow. And then there's also this relational component. Uh, when you get to have an experience with someone outside of a Sunday, uh, relationships actually build more and more. And so as this season is, is coming up, I know that it's easy for it to fill very quickly. And as Christmas is approaching, believe it or not, it's like October 22nd already. Um, in a couple months, we'll be like right there. Uh, but there, there's always opportunities. And so just think in terms of your calendar and ask the question, how can I be available to the ministry and to the church community? And what are the things I can do to, to take a further step to engage? And so I, I encourage you uh, to do that. Uh, let's dig into our series of the usual suspects. We've been looking at uh, five main fools of this, the, the Bible, specifically that you find in the Old Testament. And uh, in English, we have one word for fool. And then we have the word folly, which describes like foolish behavior. Uh, in the Hebrew, that's what the Old Testament is written in. There's actually nine different variations for foolish behaviors and patterns. Uh, of those nine, there's five specific words that show up again and again in the Old Testament that describe a specific way of life. That is, if you're committed to that foolish tendency and behavior, then you're going to have some predictable patterns. Um, I hope if you've been able to be here for the, the series so far or on our YouTube, you can always uh, listen and watch and on our podcast. Um, I hope it's been a help to you so far. So my question is, have you identified at least one foolish tendency that you have in your own life? Anyone? Yeah. Each week, there's a certain aspect of the foolishness that I can relate to. Like that's something that I struggle with. The idea of this series is not just to put people in a corner and say, that's who you are, but to identify, okay, I, I have some patterns. And there may be some patterns that you have where you're fully committed to that tendency, and that's what, where God wants to help you. But for some of us, there may be, I'm a little bit of this, I'm a little bit of that. And the goal of this series is to help identify some of these things which cause obstacles, because foolish behaviors and attitudes and choices build obstacles. And those obstacles stop us from making progress in life. So the reason we look at this is so that we can grow. We can grow together. We can ask God, God, please change some of these things that I don't even realize, that these are things that, that I'm blind to, that, that I need your help to see. And so that's our prayer in this series, that the, the light will go off 
in you so you can see and that God can pinpoint some areas in you and in me that, that he wants to change, that he wants us to, to, to grow in. And so uh, let's kind of reintroduce ourselves to uh, some of the characters we've covered so far. Uh, the first week we looked at Lazy Larry. Uh, that's the easy way fool. And a life of ease is what many of us desire. It's the idea like we want the, the, the path of least resistance and uh, what's the most easiest. I can relate to that. And that shows up in, in a pattern and, and that was the first or the second week of the series. Uh, last week, we looked at another car- character controlling Connie. And this is the reactive way, fool. This tendency is we have a plan for our life and we have a plan for other people's lives too. And we really want people to kind of be in line with our plan. And Lazy Larry, Controlling Connie, those come from different aspects of foolishness that again lead to some patterns. Well, today I want to introduce you to the fun way fool. That's who we're gonna talk about today. And that is this, this desire for fun and pleasure that exists in, in all of us. Uh, this is drop the ball, Doug. Now, if you look at Doug, you're like, you know, Doug looks like a guy you could hang out with, you know? Just kind of an easygoing guy. Again, all these things, like we, we like fun at church. In our family, we like fun. In relationships, like fun is a good thing. But again, what, what the foolish tendencies do is they take something that's good and then they tend to focus on it at all expenses. Like no matter what the cost is, I'm going to do this. And this is the same for this fun way fool. Um, in Hebrew, the word for this fool is a sackle, C-A-K-A-L. Uh, this is that, that word where every time you see that sackle fool, it's usually describing this fun way approach to life. I want to, again, like we've done for each of these suspects, uh, talk about their attitude, their characteristics, some of the things that they struggle with. So here's the attitude of the, the sackle, the fun way fool. The attitude is focused on feeling good and having fun. I mean, that pretty much feels like that just describes your whole life as a youth. Like, isn't that what life's supposed to be? Like, you're just supposed to have fun. You just get to summer break, and it's fun. You have to go back to school, not fun. Get to Christmas break, it's fun again. Even in work, what do we live for? TGIF. It's Friday. Why is Friday so good? Because we don't have to work anymore. Why are we so depressed on Sunday night? Because Monday's coming right? This is our life. Like, this is how we're built. Because there's a part of us where it's like, man, we don't want to do the grind of life from a young age to an old age. We, we can't wait to be done. We can't wait for vacation. We can't wait for retirement. Now, all those things aren't bad. But when that becomes the pursuit of your life, to just enjoy, you end up being disappointed. Because like we've looked at in each week, life is not simple. It's very complex. And it's definitely not always fun. But this fool is focused on feeling good and having fun. Characteristics, because of that, they're impulsive, they're irresponsible, and they're deprived. What that means is because of their choices for fun, they end up having consequences that really impact their life and lives of those connected to them. That means when you pursue that fun at all costs, there is usually a great cost to that. A key tool of this type of fool is blind desire followed by denial. There's this approach to fun. You want to pursue it no matter what. And then when it burns you or it blows up, there's a disconnect. Well, no, my pursuit of fun didn't lead me to that. It's something else. So this kind of fool can easily get into this victim mentality, kind of like the Casile, that lazy liar which lies. This just denies. No, my choices didn't cause this to happen. It was something else. 
Here's a brief clip from uh, A Bug's Life. You remember that movie? Check out this bug's life and what happens. Let's watch it. No, Harry, no! Don't look at the light! I can't help it. It's so beautiful. Shortest clip I've ever shown. <laughs> I love what the, the bug says. Like, they say, Larry, don't look. And he's like, I have to. It's so what? Beautiful. What's beautiful? Like this light. It's the promise of pleasure. Something that looks so good. It's going to feel good. And what's interesting, he just, he can't stop. And he's just flying into it, flying into ignoring the warning. But what's really interesting, what it looks like the bug is going to meet its death He's even falling, and even that is like a fun experience. At first, you think it's like this cry for despair, but he's like, ooh, like even that. What an experience, what a rush, as he's going into the trash can. This type of fool has that kind of behavior. And we've probably seen this. You've seen this in relationships. You've seen it certainly in movies. You see it popularized in songs. It's this idea like, man, you do only live once, that YOLO approach. You gotta get as much as you can out of this life. Life is short. You have fun. Marketing, planning, it's all around this idea. Well, let's dig into some more of the approach to life of this type of fool. So the fun way approach to life, again, has a reckless, blind desire for fun. You really gotta kind of get this in your mind, this idea of like the blind, they can't see. Like there's things to see, but they can't see it. They are so clouded by their feelings and what they want that they, they actually can't see clearly. Uh, I've, I've experienced this in my own life. Like I have my heart set on something and it distorts the way I see reality. Um, Jeremiah 5.21, this is describing the sackle fun way fool. It says, hear this, O foolish, again, that's the sackle, and senseless people who have eyes, but what? See not who have ears, but hear not. This is the warning for the sack of fool. There's things that you should be seeing and you should be hearing, but because you're senseless, and the reason you're senseless is because of your desire to feel good, your desire for pleasure, uh, you don't see it, you don't hear it, even despite the warnings. You ever talk to somebody and you wanted to help them and somebody asked you, well, how'd the conversation go? It could be with a child. It could be with a brother. It could be with a sister. It could be with a family member, a coworker. And you end up saying, like, they didn't want to what? Hear it. They didn't want to hear it. Usually that means it didn't go well. And usually you leave those conversations, especially if it's somebody that you love, with a deep knot in your stomach. Because they didn't want to hear it, you know that they're going to just do what they want to do, despite the cost, despite what you see. Why? Is because of our desire for fun, it's easy for us to get senseless. And the more we experience fun, we can actually be numb. The scriptures describe our conscience as being seared by our choices. You make enough fun-filled, risky, bad choices, like your conscience doesn't even work in the same way anymore. Uh, this describes many people who have addictive personalities, addictive tendencies, whether it's sex, drugs, alcohol, partying, gambling, video games, extreme sports, they're always looking for the next feeling the next rush. And when that goes, they're looking for the next one after that. Uh, this type of fool is also known by their bad choices. Ecclesiastes 10.3, this is like a warning. This is specific to the sackle fool. That word fool, again, is that sackle. It says, even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. 
Isn't that interesting? That means that somebody could even see from a distance that that's, this person doesn't have it all together. It's actually a, a very sad picture. And you can see that in people where they've made choices that have been so detrimental for years and years that lead to decades. And you can look at them and you can see they've lived a hard life. You ever seen somebody like that? And they've lived a hard life. Now, sometimes there's things that have happened to people that were out of their control and they have a hard life. But a lot of times you can make decisions that really impact that. And so this is just giving this this warning that people are going to be able to find you out pretty quick. Because if you keep just pursuing and you're senseless and you want fun and fun at all costs, things begin to blow up in your life. Because you can't be responsible over time. It catches up with you. Now, each week we've talked about animals that kind of represent fools. The lazy liar, anyone remember? The possum, right? Plays dead to get out of responsibility and then attacks. Last week, controlling Connie, animal, anyone remember? The badger. The badger will attack anything. They're always looking for a fight. Why? Because they can. This week, this is an animal that you might not have heard a bunch about. This is the dodo bird. What's very interesting about the dodo bird is you can't see a picture of a dodo bird in action. You know why? They're extinct. You know why they're extinct? Because they're dodos. (laughs) Great answer. Because they're dodos. We actually have this as a vernacular in our culture. Like, I was a dodo. He was a dodo. Well, what does that mean? Well, these animals were actually found in the island of Mauritania, and they're now extinct. But they were so dumb that they would walk up to the islanders who would club them to death and then eat them. And the dodo birds would look at the other dodo bird getting beaten and eaten and said, well, that looks kind of interesting. And they'd walk up and get beaten and eaten as well. What we can assume is that the dodo bird must have tasted pretty good because those islanders clubbed, beat, and killed, and ate every single one that there no longer exists. Anytime you have to use an illustration and it looks like a scientific journal, you know it's not going well for that animal. That's the dodo bird. They don't learn. They're senseless. And their species has literally been cut off, has been cut off. That can happen to this type of fool. You can make choices and you experience consequence. But you know what? That consequence wasn't too bad because that feeling and that fun was worth it. Let's do it again. And then maybe the consequence is a little stronger. Well, that was a little bit worse, but man, that was still so much fun. And what they fail to realize is the consequences over time just keep catching up with them. And again, most of the time, because of what they're seeing and experiencing, they can't even see the cost it has on their life, and they can't see the cost of others. It's actually, it's, it's very sad. Another characteristic is big talker about the future. Ecclesiastes ten fourteen says, a fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? The idea is they have this sense of like all that's going to happen and how everything's going to work out good and how their pursuit of fun is going to bring all of these things. And it's the idea of like the more they talk, the more you realize that they're not really connected to reality. Because you look at their life and you say, well, how are you going to have that job based on what you're doing right now? And how are you going to have that relationship based on your current state of relationships? And how are you going to keep making progress and actually have money to do what you want to do because you can't hold down a job? 
They're big talkers about the future. Again, there's a disconnect to them. This is like it's, it's blind to them. They can't see that their, their mouths and their lives are two different things. That's a warning uh, to, to all of us. Now, Sackles can be very gregarious and fun people to be around. If you actually have somebody in your life that likes fun, for the most part, if you hang out with them, they're going to want to do fun with you. The issue with this type of fool, though, is what happens if you need to count on them for something? What if you're in a partnership with them? What if this is someone you're married to? What if this is one of your kids? You can imagine the pain that this would bring because of the disconnect of their choices and their consequences. And I mentioned this in the the characteristics, but this type of fool also lives a deprived life. This is a continuation of Jeremiah where it talked about the senselessness. Verse 25 says, your iniquities, that's your sin, have turned these away and your sins have kept good from you. So there's actually this point where things could turn around, where change can happen, where God can get a hold of you and he can bring new habits and there's blessing. And there's like this U-turn that you can, that's the promise we have when we decide to follow Christ. No matter how much we've sackled and chose to party and be addicted to whatever it is, like we can change. But we have to humbly turn to the living God and say, I can't change on my own. I need your power. I need your help. And at that moment, we make the great confession. We invite Jesus to lead us. There's this shift that we can experience. It'll begin to work in this foolish tendencies that we have. But this is a warning to all of us. There actually comes a point where the blessing that you're so counting on is cut off because of your choices. And God is very gracious and he's very patient. But sometimes his patience is actually the big, his patience is one of the biggest obstacles to this type of fool because they think God's patience means that he's not watching and that really his consequences aren't real. And I keep getting away with it. So you keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And then they can get mad at God because finally they experience consequence. Does this make sense? You see this again and again in our culture. Now, I want to describe uh, how kind of this goes together and what I'm calling the, the sackle cycle. Everyone say that, the sackle cycle. I want you to kind of keep that in your mind because this is a pattern of behavior that can really help you in your own life. Like, am I kind of going down this path and am I reliving things? You ever feel like in your own life, you're kind of reliving the same season? It's like, man, I've, I've struggled with this like 10 years ago and here I am again. Well, that's because life oftentimes happens in cycles because of our, our choices. Now, I'm going to jump to First Chronicles in uh, the, the Old Testament. And this is a story about David and how he makes a bad choice. Literally, he, he sackles. And anytime a story starts with this phrase, you'll see in verse uh, 1, it says, Then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. So Satan is working in David, tempting him to say, you know what, count all your troops so that your focus is in all of this good that you have, like this number of troops that you can see, like the power is in your great number. The idea is like we're trusting the number of our troops rather than the God who leads us forward. For this type of fool, there's always like we're trusting uh, and focused on what we want. So David was incited by the enemy, went down this path. In verse two, it says, so so David said to Joab and the commanders of the army, go, number Israel from Beersheba to Dan and bring me a report that I may know their number. But Joab said, may the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are. Are they not my Lord, the king, all of them, my Lord's servants? Why then should my Lord require this? Why should it be a cause of guilt for Israel? 
So Joab knew, you do not want to go down this path. The God is the Almighty One. He's the one that's leading us. Our strength isn't in our numbers. It's not in our own might. It's not in our weapons. It's not in our intelligence. It's in the living God. Don't put your trust in man. But David was senseless. He had it in his mind that this is what he wanted to do. Verse four, but the king's word prevailed against Joab. That means David won. So Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came back to Jerusalem. So Joab counted, there were 1.1 million Israelite men that were able to fight in an army. Now, that's a pretty impressive number. 1.1 million you have on your side. But verse seven shows reality. It says, but God was displeased with with this thing and he struck Israel. And David said to God, I have sinned gratefully in that I have done this thing, but now please take away the iniquity, again, the sin of your servant, for I have acted very, what does that word say? Foolishly. He tells God, I have sackled. I had a blind desire to make myself feel better in the number of my troops. I ignored instruction. I ignored correction. I ignored the warning. And I went exactly by what I wanted to feel and what I wanted to do. So he says, I've I've acted very foolishly. Now, David wasn't a full committed sackle all the time. He was described as a man after God's own heart, but he did make some very terrible choices in his life. And I think the sackling was the root of that. Again, you know, he had an affair. He saw what he saw. He's like, again, this blind desire to please himself for pleasure, for fun. And so the biggest valleys of his life is because of this tendency. So for all of us, there's always a point in which you have to be on guard because you could be going right on track, but the enemy and then our own desires combination of two come together. And before we know it, we can easily go down the path where we're pursuing the wrong things. So this is a, this is a warning. It's a, it's a helpful thing to, to remember. But there were devastating consequences. This is hard to fathom. Verse 14, so the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel and 70,000 men of Israel fell. Talk about devastating consequences. That's hard to even get your mind around. So here's this this pattern, and this is kind of putting it all together. When you get into the cycle cycle, you make an error in judgment, then you're unrelenting to achieve the goal or desire. That is, you're going to keep on that path. Third, you're blind and deaf to the consequences. And fourth, you experience devastating consequences. Now, just like with Israel, oftentimes, if you get into this cycle, cycle, that blind desire, the devastation doesn't just impact you. It impacts those that love you. It impacts those that work with you. If you see people that are full-on sackles, like they have this, this addictive personality, they're going down this path, and it's devastating, most of the time it impacts every area of their life. You can't hide it for long. Because, you're, you're, again, your, your choices catch up. So you have this devastating consequence that, that we read in the story. But, but David turned back to the living God. And this is the hope we have. This is verse 17. And David said to God, was it not I who gave command to the number of the people? Uh, it is I who have sinned and done great evil. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand, O Lord my God, be against me and against my father's house. But do not let the plague be on your people. That is, God, there's, 
devastation. These people's lives have already been lost because of what I've done. But he chose to repent and take responsibility. And that really is the pathway forward. As you've made decisions that have impacted people, that have not pleased God, that were just rooted in blind desire to please yourself, the key to the turnaround is always repentance, to own it before God, to admit it. You don't have to hide or justify. You just own it before God. And God is faithful. He hears. And in the story, God, God heard David. So once you come to this point of, of repentance, and if this is you and you have some of these tendencies, um, I want to give you just some more practical steps. There's this repentance, turning to God, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I've been at this place in my life where I just feel like I'm reliving things. I can't get ahead. And you just come desperately to God. God, I want to change. I don't want to be stuck here. And at that point, like God has your attention. Use that. Oftentimes, it's, it's humbling. Things blow up. Relationships unravel. You make bad choices, and you, just, you can feel like a dodo bird. But God doesn't want you just to feel condemned and just to see the consequences. He, he wants to help. So how to move beyond the fun way fool. Uh, first, let God's grace motivate self-control. One of the things that's so misleading about pleasure is we often, thinks that, we often think that that's what will make us whole. Like it gives us meaning. That's why we pursue it, because it feels good. So it's, it's counterintuitive. If it feels good, it means that that's what you're supposed to do. But there's often things that feel good that are not right. And so you have to grow in your understanding of what's right and wrong, not just what feels good. But if God's grace becomes your motivation, you now have a different way to gauge your choices. It's not just on what feels good, but but what's right and pleases God. Uh, Titus 2, 11 through 12 uh, says this. It says, uh, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. This is a very helpful scripture. If you're into like memorizing scripture, that's something you want to grow in, this is a great scripture to memorize. Because it gives this perspective of what the grace of God does. It actually helps you be self-controlled and make better choices. It's very interesting. It's the, the fact that you are in favor with God. So the idea is, oftentimes when we have this blind desire for pleasure, it's to fill a hole that we have that we're not okay. It's to make us feel better. It's to bring this wholeness that we're longing for. It's even sometimes this cry out for hope. It's to cure loneliness. It's to deal with guilt. It's to deal with shame. We do all these things to numb some of the problems we have on the inside. You get what I'm saying? All of us can relate to that. We, We do that. We have those tendencies. This will make me feel better. But what happens is, and this is the lie of the enemy, as you make the bad choice to seek to make yourself feel better, you always feel worse. You begin to spiral. And the more you spiral, the more you have to do to make yourself feel better because you're in a deeper hole. You're in a darker place. And you spiral some more. And you spiral some more. Titus 2 is saying the way you get out of it is the grace of God. So I just want to encourage you. If you're a Christ follower, you are accepted and loved by God. He wants to change you. He wants to walk with you. He's not mad at you. He's not going to manipulate or play games with you. He actually doesn't want to deprive you from a full life. He wants to give it. But it's not through what you think the pleasure will come. It's, it's through following him, doing life his way. If you're not yet a Christ follower, the gospel message is no matter who you are and what you've done, 
you can experience the saving grace of Jesus. And the things that you've been running to and running from your whole life to fill the hole, to fill the emptiness, it can be filled forever with Christ. That's the gospel message. And all of us can relate to that. And so I wanna encourage you, really think about the grace of God because that is what makes us complete. Our identity is true, it's secure. We're accepted by the living God. He loves us. He made us, he has a plan for us. He wants to teach us, guide us, lead us forward. We can become the people that he wants us to become. And we're secure in him. Insecurity oftentimes leads us to doing you know, dangerous choices. Because out of our insecurity, we wanna fill that void. So focus on the grace of God. Memorize that scripture that will help deal with emptiness and discontentment. So that's the first. The second is focus on faithfulness, not feelings. How many of you would say that you are swayed by your emotions often? My wife, my wife and I, like we, we you know, joke a lot, but oftentimes when we've had a hard week, we just kind of talk about like what treat we need to make us feel better. Anyone else motivated by treats? I'm gonna say, I feel like that's like a lot of my life. Like if I just get through this, like we, let's go to C's. C's make me feel better. I really sound like a baby. That's kind of how I feel on the inside. And then they give you free samples. And then I begin to smile. You guys know what I'm saying? But it's like, you, you, it, it's, again, you live for the Friday. You regret the Monday. And there's just like, like, there's just something that just, we want to, we've got to feel better. And feelings are so strong and they're so immediate and it becomes very impulsive. And I've made bad decisions based on my feelings. Have you? I think all of us would agree. So to get out of that sackle cycle, oftentimes you have to focus on faithfulness, just not feeling good. Now, there's no way around that. Like you can't fake faithfulness. Faithfulness is you're committed to what you've been given to do. And you commit to it. Does that feel good most of the time? No, it doesn't feel good. Most Mondays, I don't wake up like... Weekend's over, time for work, right? Like, no, it's like, ugh, tired. It's dark, it's fall, where's time change? You know? Because work is work. But you can learn through faithfulness that work can give you a tremendous amount of meaning and blessing. And actually, self-respect. It's very interesting when you're secure in yourself, even from being faithful, that can cut off some of those tendencies to go off the path that God has you. First Thessalonians 4 says this, and aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. This is actually very difficult to do in the era of the news and social media. Have you ever seen what somebody else does and you're like, I wanna do that. Where's that pumpkin patch? that changes your life? Where's that place you can just get free candy? You know, like when you were a kid, okay, I won't skit on that. But, but the idea is like, mind your own affairs. There's something about like the comparison which can lead us down to that sacral cycle. Like they're doing that, I wanna do that. They got that, I want that. But faithfulness is like what I've been given, I'm, I'm gonna focus on that. Uh, when we do the chores of life, our responsibilities, most of the time it doesn't feel fun. But again, the measure of life isn't on how much fun you had. 
It's were you faithful? When you stand before Jesus at the end, when your life is wrapped up or Jesus returns, Christ will not say, hey, did you at least have fun? You ever thought about that? Did it feel good? Jesus is gonna say that. He's actually gonna say, were, were you faithful? It's not the measure of fun. It's always the measure of faithfulness. And then finally, become a person of good uh, judgment. Uh, when you get into the fun way, because of your desire, most of the time you make poor decisions. You have poor judgment. Because again, your filter is what will make me feel the best. Well, on the front end, often the path of responsibility, the path of faithfulness isn't what feels the best. So that's where you get into that cycle of, of poor decisions. But notice what Hebrews 5 says. It says, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. One of the ways that that comes, solid food, it's actually talking about God's word where you begin to really wrestle with the truth of Scripture and put it into your life. That's our aim on Sundays. That's why we do things like this in this series. We want you to learn Scripture, to see patterns of Scripture, and then begin to apply things. Because as you do, you grow up. You get more nourished by God's Word. You begin to train yourself in the truth of Scripture. And so if you don't spend time in Scripture, you're not able to actually distinguish what is right or what is wrong. That's a good word for all of us. If you want to know what to do in your life, you struggle with decision-making, it feels like you don't make good decisions, or you just, you're fearful of decisions, well, get to know God's word. Don't just keep making mistakes and hoping learn, learn from those. No, there's patterns of scripture. There's commands. There's promises. Get to know those. Follow those. Do that next thing in your life, what God tells you to do. As you do that, you begin to discern. You've moved from this baby milk to now this solid food. That's what it means to be more mature. God's word now is a filter in your life. It's active. It goes on. You know what? If I do that, what would happen? So that's a very good word for all of us in all the foolish tendencies. Begin to see how your choices will impact the consequences. So most of the time, when I talk to people and they're wrestling with a decision, one of the things that I'll ask them is, take your decision that you're gonna make and spread that out over the next year? How will that impact the next year of your life? Now, let's, let's go beyond that. What would that mean for the next five years if you decide to do that? Okay, now, now that's in your head. What does that mean for the next 10 years? Most of the time we think today, what will feel good today? But part of the ways you have to grow in discernment is like, what will this mean long-term? What's the impact on my family? What's the impact on my work? What's the impact on my health? What's the impact on my leadership, my influence, if I make these decisions? That can actually prevent a lot of problems in life. And so that comes from developing just good, good judgment. So there's three of these that I think are, are helpful. Um, God's grace, motivating, faithfulness, not feelings, become a person of good judgment. If you have your listening guide, as I wrap up, which of those three to you seems what you need to focus on yourself. Now you say, well, Alex, I'm not this, I'm not, I'm not this fool. But still, all of those are, are biblical. So which of those? Is it God's grace? It's like, man, you know, you're, you're just drifting from God's grace and you're being motivated by other things. Or feelings really pushing you forward. You need to focus on faithfulness. 
You need to grow in your discernment. So just maybe put a star or circle, one of those three. Just allow God to work with you there. Like, you can memorize that scripture. That's a great step. And so I encourage you, you know, take that time to, to think through. So I want to invite Joel back up and the band back up as we wrap up this morning. And I just want to walk you through a few next steps. We do this again because it's as you apply that you grow in discernment. As you grow in discernment, you can distinguish good from evil. That comes from not just knowing God's word, but putting it into action. And so here's some next steps that you might want to take. The first, I've already mentioned this a little bit, but you may want to accept God's grace and decide to follow Jesus for the first time. That means to become a Christian. Again, God's grace can only motivate you if you have it. And the way that you receive it is you turn to the living God. You admit your sin. And you say, I don't want to keep going my own way. I don't want to be driven by my blind desire. I don't want to try to fill my emptiness by my own choices. I don't want to try to solve the problems of my life and what I've been through and what I faced. And you come humbly before the living God and you say, God, I need you. I admit my sin. And I know Jesus, your son, was sent to forgive me of my sin. And he paid the penalty for my sin. And so I accept that payment on my behalf. And I know that because of him, I can be washed clean. I can be forgiven. And so if you've never decided to become a Christian, let us know on the connection card. You can write new Christian on there and uh, we'll follow up with you. You can see that. Just write that on your connection card. Just write new Christian. I, I want to become a new Christian. Uh, on the digital connection card, uh, there's a place that you can uh, scan on that uh, QR code and let us know and we'll, we'll follow up with you. That's the first and most important. Uh, second, uh, choose faithfulness uh, in a certain area. Let me ask you this. Is there an area in your life right now where you could look and say, you know what, I'm, I've kind of like let go of my firm grip on that a little bit. It could be your finances. It could be a responsibility at work. It could be a relationship you have. It could be parenting. It could be your marriage. Like you just kind of took a step back a little bit. Choose an area that you sense you need to kind of re-firm your grip around. And just write that. Just write it on your listening guide. Like this is the area. God wants to get your attention there. And that's where you can grow. And then last is ask God to help me connect dots in my choices and take responsibility. That's part of that discernment. So we're, it's a real prayer of like, God, help me to discern my decisions and the consequences of them. Now, could you imagine if all of us sitting here right now took one of these steps and were motivated by the grace of God, how that would impact the way that we relate to each other? And then we took it a step further. And you're like, I'm not going to just let my feelings dictate my life. I want to be faithful. My yes will be my yes. I will commit to what God has given me to do. And then for us to really ask these questions, to distinguish good from evil, to grow in discernment, to get into God's word together, would we be different people? Absolutely. Would that bless the people in our lives? Yes. Could we bless our city? Absolutely. Because this is the Christian life. It's doing these things. And so let's commit to these things together. Let's pray. God, we thank you once again for your word, which clearly gives us the categories of reality because it describes you and your role and place in this life and how you have given us a purpose. And so as we align with you, uh, we do have meaning that we don't have without you. Uh, we do have a clear identity and a clear purpose. And uh, God, I just thank you for the grace of Jesus that despite what we've done and whatever foolish tendency we have, 
you meet us right where we are. God, there's people in our life that we can see this in them. We probably know some shackles. Some of us maybe are them. And it can be so painful. It can be filled with a lot of guilt and shame. And so I just pray against that. And God, I just pray that specifically, you'll show us just how to be a help to those around us, but also in our own life, how to be faithful, how to grow in our own discernment. Uh, Give us a desire and a love for your word. Even that oftentimes is not fun. It feels like a grind to spend time with you. But you are our faithful God, and as we do spend time with you, we're blessed. So just give us that desire oftentimes when we don't have it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.